Welcome to episode 194 of Saturday Football Uncensored, brought to you by Saturday Down South and Texas Pete. On today's episode, we talk about the ongoing Tez Walker NCAA situation and then preview and predict week three. Plus, we welcome on Michael Bratton, a.k.a. SEC Mike, to preview the big Tennessee-Florida matchup in the Swamp Saturday night. You can find this show on our website, SaturdayDownSouth.com and Apple and Spotify. Don't forget to join us for the live recording of the show every Sunday at 8 Eastern time on the Saturday Down South YouTube page. Find clips from the show on Twitter at Sat Down South and at SatFBUncensored on Instagram and TikTok at Saturday Down South and on YouTube, Saturday Down South. Now, here's the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Saturday Football Uncensored, brought to you by Saturday Down South and Texas Pete. I'm your host, Tyler Huck, and with me as always, Chris Marler. Chris, big week three on deck. I yeah. Guess. <laughs> I mean, I think it is. It's like, I'm always I the guy that's like, not a great week. It's, I mean, but it's still, it's still a week of it's, football. That's exactly. J.D. Pacquiao put this out earlier this week, and he said, or like news today, and it was like, Whenever your friends tell you, like, oh, it's like this week sucks, or this, like, the slate is not that great. Like, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about only 21 more days till football. So it's like, yeah. I mean, listen, here's here's what I love. And this is what so I've got. talking about conference realignment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I think that, like, there's the, the thing that's going to be fun about this, especially if you're an SEC fan, there's good SEC football on all day. Like, there's, yeah. there's meaningful SEC football on all day. And, I think that we're going to learn a lot about a lot of teams this week, whether like the slate might not look great, but we're going to certainly learn a lot about a lot of teams. Like we're going to learn a lot about Alabama. We're going to learn to see what Georgia has a little bit. We're going to learn to see if South Carolina has a lot of fight in them um, as well. We get to see about Tennessee, go to Florida, trying to end all that stuff. um, And that horrible, horrible streak. And then LSU at Mississippi state is a sneakier game too. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. The sec is actually the the best matchups for this weekend. Um, Nationally is a little bit slower, but you know, we're going to get into the thick of the season starting next week. There's some big matchups. Yeah. Um, you got Colorado hosting game day this week, which is pretty cool. I mean, they have? it's Colorado state, but I think they're oh, just okay. taking the opportunity to yeah. know biggest story in college football right now. Um, yeah. So that'll be cool to see the turnout for that. It'll be interesting to see if people are just smoking weed out there. That's what kind of they do in Boulder is smoke weed in fields. So is that real? Yeah. Well, at least on like an open, just like open, you know, like in the quad smoking drugs, drugs, bro. Um, yeah. So hold on real quick. I can't wait for that to be, and maybe it already is a thing from fucking boomer Facebook, Twitter. That's just going to be like, only reason he's got any success out there is because they're allowed to do drugs nonstop. All them players come out there with that NIL money, buying all them drugs. See what happens when Dion gets out to Colorado. The drugs show up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's where we have, uh, Henry. We have been doing this smoking weed out here for decades. Yeah, decades. About Dion. Decades. Um, all right. Well, before we get into week three, um, Tez Walker. This is a weird situation. I mean, so we've already kind of discussed like how shitty the NCAA has treated this case specifically. Um, For those that don't know the story, 
this receiver who was transferring into UNC this year, he was really good at Kent State last year. Um, this is technically his second transfer, which would normally deem him right ineligible for the season. Um, but there was kind of some circumstances around this. He originally signed out of high school with North Carolina Central, and because of COVID, the 2020 season, they never played it at that level. So he just never even played for the team. Mm-hmm. Immediately transferred out, went to Kent State, right? Put up some monster numbers, and then transferred to UNC. Not only probably for better exposure, but also he had mental health issues, which he cited as a reason for leaving and a right. need to return to his home state, which is North Carolina. We we all know now that the NCAA was like, no, sorry, we don't care about your mental health. We right. Don't care about your uh, never have played for N, uh, NCCU. Um, we're not going to let you play. And that was appealed. They denied it again. Mac Brown came out and was like, he wrote basically his version of a boomer Facebook post towards the NCAA. And now there's some weird stuff going on. So there's so many thoughts on this and you guys already know where I'm going to lean. If it's, if it's with the NCAA, I'm not going to ever sit here and say that, Hey, yeah, you should go threaten them. And that's what's happening. I'm in a bit of a mood today. And I'll say that. So I will also tell you, probably regrettably later, if there was a group of people around college football that I would kind of understand getting threats, probably the NCAA. Yeah. Because you're the governing body that has fucked this whole thing up for years. Like for years. You've shown repeatedly that you don't give a shit about the good of the whole and then while you do it, it's like you you bang the gavel with one hand and then pat yourself on the back for making the wrong decision with the other. And it blows my fucking mind because it's like, you guys, they, like this was reviewed eight different times, they said. Or it went through like eight different processes of, of being in review. How many things could have come up that have been like, no, I don't know. I think he, I, I think he needs to sit out a year. I just think there's two, like, and here's one thing too. I thought about this trying to be objective. If you're saying that, like, all right, if we do it for this person, we have to do it for everyone, then maybe that's where the, the ruling comes from. But also, it's like, who fucking cares? Like, you've gone out of your way to, to, to really, like, have a stranglehold on, on, like, all college athletics, and you've lost so much of, of the power you had in college football. Thank God. And, and again, the only reason we're here with all this NIL shit and transportal stuff is because the NCAA finally realized they didn't have a lot of power and wiped their hands of it and then just walked away. When, when I heard this ruling, I was shocked that it was even being brought up because if I'm Mac Brown, guess what? Tez Walker's playing on Saturday. Right. Tez every Saturday. And the NCAA could come in and say, well, you're, you're breaking the rules. We're going to go under investigation. Okay, good. Cool. All right. Yeah. And, and you're and you're gonna find something wrong. I'm sure you're gonna find something yeah. wrong. By the time you do, because let's not forget, they had they knew in 2016 what was happening with the with the the NIL stuff and where this was all headed. And so they're gonna find something wrong, but like by the time they do, they're probably not gonna be the governing body anymore. Like this whole thing is so stupid. And the mental health part of it too, like there's just all these different examples of like that come to mind of okay, well. Like, like, here's another example of when they fucked over somebody. Like, the, the tight end from Georgia that went to Illinois after his grandpa died has to sit out an extra year. How about Will Greer taking over-the-counter supplements from fucking GNC? 
I tell you what, the internet's a big place. If you want to find some illegal like performance enhancing drugs, you can find them. And you're also in Florida, so you could probably just go to a fucking Wawa and find them there too. Like, and he gets he gets benched for a half season because of whatever, right? Like over the counter stimulants or not stimulants, over the counter drugs. Like the, every turn, they they make a worse decision than before. It kind of reminds me of my own life, and I don't get it. Like I, I don't get out there. Like like I just. It's crazy to me that we're still allowing them to do this, but the 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 part here that we we're going to talk about is the threats. Like, well, I think the out of everything that's happening with this case, I think the most screwed up thing is that he transferred before they decided that they were going to crack down on the rule of, with the waivers. Right. So they're retroactively right. going back and applying this to him. Uh, just an insane, I, I just, the more that they do this kind of stuff, the quicker they will be completely cut out of college football. So maybe Tez Walker has to sacrifice for the sum of the whole. So yeah, maybe, but also I feel like this has been happening constantly for years and years and years. And here's another question for you, Tyler. Like if, if, if we're being objective, right, let's try to see it from the NCAA standpoint. What? I think I've tried stuff. Yeah. What benefit? What is the benefit? Like, or like, what is the positive? What is the reason? What what is any of that for why he should not be allowed to play this year? What 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 ground? What is the hill you're dying on, besides your own fucking ridiculous strangle, white knuckled stranglehold on whatever little power you have left? What is what are you gaining from it? The only thing that I could try to come up with, if you're trying to play devil's advocate, is what you already brought up, which is this case being looked at and said, well, you let Ted, because all you, it's tough to prove mental health. Right. So, <laughs> so you, so I'm, and I'm not saying that he is making that up. I, right. but someone could go reasonably say, well, I'm having mental health issues. I need to go back to my home state. Um, you, you let Tez Walker do it. You set precedence on this. So you have to let me do it as well. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. Is it really just trying to save their own? headaches for later down the road but right i don't know man it's just it, they never seem to make the right decision so not too surprised but yeah now like members of the ncaa are receiving like threats real threats like dangerous threats on their lives right and, and here's, i'm not so, condoning that that's obviously <laughs> that's crazy person behavior Can you but, imagine if this was a tennessee player like ball twitter about that action bro i mean <laughs> um no so like so here, here's the quote, too, that was said. The D1 board is trolled by the public remarks made last week by some University of North Carolina leadership. That was uh, said D1 board chair Jir Moorhead and D1 board vice chair Christopher. I'm not even going to try to pronounce this stupid fucking last name. like Leshead, am I right? This guy's a loser. <laughs> More like probably never got head, and that's why he's making these decisions. <laughs> Those comments directly. <laughs> Those <laughs> Boom. Um, those comments directly contradict what we and our fellow Division One members and coaches called for vociferously, including UNC's own football coach. We are a membership organization rather than pursue a public relations campaign that can contribute to charged environment for our peers who volunteer on committees. Now, and hear that word again? It's Because this is a volunteer organization. Oh, this yeah. is a volunteer organization that rakes in over a billion dollars in, in earnings, by the way. Yeah, that um, probably makes millions of dollars a year. Right. They But they rake it in per year over a billion dollars. And I know that because they make almost 
almost they make over 900 million just in those three weeks in March for the, the, yeah, tournament. For the tournament. We encourage yeah. members to use established and agreed upon procedures to voice concerns, propose and adopt rule or policy changes if they are dissatisfied. So here we go. Like you've, you've set the rules in place. Here's here are the rules that we have come up with. Here are the rules. Here's how you have to abide by the rules. Also, if you disagree with them, here's the process and what you're allowed to say and not to say. What kind of North Korea fucking shit is that? Like, you don't get to come out here and say, hey, we made an objectively bad take for the umpteenth time, but you better not talk about it because now our feelings hurt. It's like, I'm not condoning threats, but like, oh, no, the consequences of our own actions. People are upset. People are upset about going to bat for a uh, like, here's, here's the thing, too. People are, ups- people are upset because you're talking about an individual that we can all see, an 18 to 22-year-old kid who has been public with why he needed to go to a new school, public about mental health, which is now something that is like increasingly present and prevalent around the country and, and taken seriously, and then the NCAA. And, and, and I look at the NCAA almost like, like, oh, man, no matter what decision they made, like, like if it was negative, it was probably going to be looked at in a bad way. But then I also look at the NCAA and like, fuck them. Because because like they've done this repeatedly. Here's the thing, Tyler. Think about how many, think about like pol- like political campaigns. Or like, I'm trying to think if there's like, there. I feel like there's something in the past couple of days. And again, I'm just in a mood today. So I'm just, I'm like, my brain's all over the place. But like, I feel like there's something in the past couple of days where somebody has turned something into like a positive PR campaign over bullshit, right? Like the NCAA makes like a, over a billion dollars a year how have we never seen one positive PR campaign from a player that has been benefited? We haven't seen one fucking story from a player in any level, division one, two, three, whatever else there is out there in fucking Kansas. Like we haven't seen one person come forward and be like, you know what? The NCAA changed my life. No, no, no. You, we've seen that. They go we to have- work at Enterprise. Yeah, you go to work at Enterprise where, where they give you the tools to be your own boss and you work yeah. 65 hours a week right out of college and you make 30 grand a year. That is like that. that yeah, is we're, one we're going pro in something other than sports. In this I case, bet people that work at Enterprise, I bet, I bet that the NCAA makes no money off those commercials. <laughs> um, yeah, just just uh, I, I'm just now picturing like Mac Brown coming back out with like another. He just puts it on the notes app and he calls him Kim Jong Leshead. <laughs> I, I haven't said i love mac brown going to bat for them and like and, yeah. and I talk about a coach that has like from an age standpoint especially how he's like you know people might think he, he doesn't understand young kids now him doing that i think is a really big deal for a, for a lot of reasons so yeah it's um i guess there's still time to for the ncaa to change their mind on this and he could play mid-season but they don't seem to be making any sort of move to to change their mind here so yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. Um, let's go ahead and take a break. On the other side, we're going to welcome. No, Mike no Dan. break. I'm not taking a break. I got to prove to some people that I'm in shape enough to to be able to last like a full sixty minutes of this podcast. I was out of breath last week. It's not good. Oh, were people talking about that? People were talking about it. Somebody called me an old man. The one from the hotel. Yeah. Why were you so? I don't get it. Were you working out? Uh huh. I don't know. I, like I was just like the the in the pelly. I wish I had a pelly. I yeah. wish I had a pelly. No, it was just. I think it's like this. It wasn't just the last episode. It's been several episodes. Um, maybe I just talked too fast. I don't know. We don't need to take a break. We need to get into the first game of the week. And what we'll do is we have we're going to be joined by our good friend here um, shortly to talk about it. 
Michael Bratton, SEC Mike, um, noted Tennessee homer and hater of Alabama football, but also a guy that always has his finger on the pulse of SEC football as well. And we're going to get into the Tennessee Florida talk. So let's let's like I think that let's set the stage a little bit here because I think that I don't know how old our crowd is, and I feel like I talk about this a lot, and I've talked about it in the past, but this is this was my one of my favorite rivalries, if not my favorite rivalry as a kid growing up as a, as a fan of an SEC football team, because this is when you would always start the year. Like this was the first SEC game of the year on CBS. It always seemed like it had huge implications because you had Florida who was like, you know, national power, Tennessee who had been, but was trying to get back to it with Peyton Manning. Um, and a lot of times whoever won that game on the third week of September was not only going to win the, the division of the SEC East, but probably the conference. And, tons of talent some like really good games like all through the late 90s early 2000s i mean hell even now like when some of the teams have been like each program has been kind of dormant at times some really good games as well um i mean your thoughts on this rivalry as somebody that like i know it, this is kind of funny because it's like i'm gonna probably pull for florida as a fan because of tennessee and you're gonna pull for tennessee because of as a fan because of yeah. Flor- uh because of florida okay so i have a very personal connection to this rivalry um and in fact, the last time that Tennessee won in the swamp, I was in Knoxville. Oh, uh, I was a senior in high school. Mm-hmm. My best friend, his brother, was at, went to Tennessee. And he's like, "Yeah, you guys should come up. It's an away game, so you know it'll be a, uh, it'll be you know a little bit easier to get into bars and stuff like that." And we were right. seventeen years old, and um, right. I'll never forget. I was super into college football. Obviously, hated Florida. Obviously. Yeah, Tennessee wins that day. I believe Casey Clawson. Who, which Clawson brother was the QB? I believe it was Casey. I think it was too. So I believe it was a day game because that night I was out in the bars. Casey Clawson walks in the bar. So they had like come back. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I was 17. So I was like, this is awesome. And I went up to him. I was like, dude, awesome. I hate Florida. And he was just, he blew me off. Just total dickhead. Yeah. Um, no way, a Clawson was, being a dickhead? That's crazy. But it was so memorable because me and my buddy, both 17, made out with chicks at the bar that night. College chicks. We thought we were the first <laughs> people in the world. <laughs> so that was it. Now, now look at me. Made out I have no hair. I have two night. kids. Uh-huh. Um, that's how long ago it was since Florida won this, or since Tennessee beat Florida in Gainesville. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, like that time period was when that this rivalry was like at its height and i think a lot of it went away because it hasn't been a matchup in the swamp there's right it's been i mean like and we've talked about this before yeah tennessee's been down and florida's had had times that been periods like where they've been down um and i've I've brought this up it's a stat i brought up a couple weeks back um we were doing our preview for the division all that kind of stuff um you know this there's a big monkey on your back if you're tennessee still with this game and and I think that they have a very special opportunity to go down and get that monkey off their back. Um, but you talk about a team that's beaten Florida twice in the swamp in the last 51 years. Tyler, that stat that I brought up on August 20th of, of this year is finally making the rounds. It's going everywhere, and people are, are astonished by it. Um, it is pretty so, astonishing. It is pretty astonishing. And, and listen, I know that like some Tennessee fans have been like, we didn't play him every year. It, I don't care. You played him a shit ton of times. Like yeah. you didn't play him for like a six year span in like the late seventies. Like, but yeah, we're talking regardless. 51 years. You have two wins, right? Two wins in the swamp. I don't care, I don't care if you played 10 times or 51 times, right? That's not, not good. good. 
<laughs> no. And, and, and the other thing too, is like Tennessee has long been considered like, you know, the, the second biggest and most prominent power in the sec all time, like, like behind Alabama. Um, and so that's still very, very surprising. I think going into the swamp is a huge opportunity for them. And we'll break down a little bit of the game and talk to Mike about it as well. But like, I think it's a huge opportunity for them for a number of reasons. And I think it's a huge opportunity for Florida too, because you know, like I was asked this morning on radio, like, and, and I'll ask, I'll, I'll forward the question to you. Like, which of these teams needs this game more, in your opinion? Oh, Florida by far. Really? I'd say Tennessee, hands down. Really? Yeah. You I tell me why. Florida I think Napier, think. like, if Napier were, let's, let's say Tennessee, the spread is tight. So, I mean, obviously, the, we're expecting it to be close, but tight ish. Um, but, like, let's say Tennessee won by three touchdowns. Right. Can you, can you imagine? after what they looked like against Utah and then getting blown out at home for the first time, losing for the first time in 20 years to Tennessee. I, like you thought things were negative after the Utah game. I don't know that Napier, that would be very tough for him. Like, and in a hypo, if he loses it, I think it's a tough loss, but it's not the end of the world. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's also like, why is it more like where- important for Tennessee than for you? So I, I think it's more important for Tennessee because it's one of those things where it's like you you view yourself as a team that's like like I you I'm we're a better program than Florida right now we're a better program than Florida and right. you have an opportunity in from a national spotlight to go out there and really prove a point and I think there's a few fan bases um, I think there's a few fan bases and, and programs that when they are presented with the opportunity to go out there and prove a point on a national scale or on a national level on national television that they have this I'm trying to think of who I should put this label on because I think I don't usually it's like the fan base or the coach or like or, you know like a like a, a player or like a, a program like like Lane Kiffin is a is a big enough asshole to go out there and, and pour it on teams when he wants to when he wants to prove a point right mm. like I, I like Ryan Day and and even Harbaugh a little bit like with those two in that rivalry Every level of of Tennessee's fandom program, all that it's 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 the same level of asshole, and I I mean that in an endearing way. I really do. Like I mean that in an endearing way. And I know I bicker with Tennessee fans, but like, I mean that is a that is a fan base that is full of pride, and and they're gonna go down to to Florida, a team that has probably given them more fits than any other program in the country, including Georgia State. Um, or Austin P. Austin P was a tough one. Austin <laughs> Poop. Um, no, I, I think that I think when they go into the swamp this weekend and they're only a seven point favorite, I, I just I don't want to like I don't want to give away my pick yet until after we talk to Mike. But like I think there's a really big opportunity here for Tennessee to make a a, a statement, and I mean a big big statement. So that's that's kind of where I'm going with it, and I think that like because because I also think this too. The longer this week goes on, the more we're going to see shit that's like that we saw during the Utah week for Florida. Like, oh, man, like, you know, it is an SEC team and, you know, their quarterback might be out and blah, blah, blah. And in this case, it won't be those two things being said, but it'll be like, well, they, they've always struggled in the past going to Florida and, you know, and, and Napier might be on the hot seat and, and all those kind of things. Like, I think that those kind of things are going to like they're going to hear all week and have a chance to to shut that up and shut up in a big way. I'll tell you one person that um, never shuts up ever and doesn't shut up in a big way 
is this guy who's rocking a mustache for some reason. Let's bring him in here. SEC, what is this? What is this mustache? Hey, it's a, why it's does an, it? Why does an, it look good? It's an honor to be here with the unofficial quarterback ranker of SDS, brother. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Mustache is here because I bet on Bama, your damn shitty team, let me down. So I, I had to do this for for Longhorn Nation. No. We do want to point out unofficial ranker. Yeah, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Can you imagine if we let Chris Marler, the guy who knows the least about ball at SDS, can you imagine if we let him go out and post some just stupid obligatory rankings that are purely based on objectivity and, and, and purely for engagement on social media? What a travesty that would be. I don't and like I know it. that the person who got upset about it isn't listening to the podcast anyway, so I have zero problems with calling this out right now. He's, he's listening to an ACC pod. <laughs> Does that even exist? I don't even know. I'm sure. I'm sure it has dozens of listeners, and I'm sure it's up and running. I'm going to get in trouble. Let's talk to Mike, though. Mike, the, the mustache looks good. Thank I actually you. Do like it. it was a t it, see, it was a T on on Sunday, so Gross. that's why I did it. I did a T for for them damn Longhorns, and uh, you know that made me look even more like a pedo. So I I had to shave I, that I part off. Say it, but yeah. I, I like I like the stash. Yeah, it's growing on me. I I probably won't cut it till Texas loses. Okay. Well, I mean, that'll probably be this week to Wyoming, just knowing their luck. I'm kidding. Um, all right. We brought you in for one thing and one thing only, and that is to make fun of you and shame you. Um, but also to talk about SEC football, primarily one game, and it's your beloved Tennessee Vols, you big homer. Um, we've been talking about this game a little bit before you got on here, and it's obviously one of the bigger games, I think, of the week, even though it's not the national game of the week on CBS. I mean, incredible rivalry, historic rivalry, probably a top – Three to five rivalry in the in the SEC, right? I think, especially during our lifetime. Is it? What are your? I think it is. I, I think like from. I don't think it is to Florida people. I think it is for Tennessee people. I I don't think Tennessee's in Florida's top three right now. That could be. What are your thoughts going into the game in terms of just overall confidence? I think from Tennessee and their and that that fan base going down there because I was honestly I was kind of shocked at the the line being so low. I get why, but just the the overall mindset of Tennessee fans going down there right now. Florida sucks. No need to be worried about. I mean, it's overconfidence. I've never seen a. Of course, Tennessee fans are always seemingly confident going into this game for I, I don't know what reason. They have no reason to be confident, and, and many times, particularly in the swamp, victory has been snatched at the, yeah. in the closing moment. So I have no idea why people are confident, but they're they are overly confident. I would say. I see that. We were actually just talking about this. Um, obviously, it's been a struggle in Gainesville for Tennessee. Um, an opportunity for Billy Napier to change the narrative about the trajectory of his program. Um, seems like a lot of negativity after that Utah game, the silly penalties, the mistakes. Um, Chris argues that this game is bigger for Tennessee. Who do you think is, <laughs> it's, is bigger for between Napier and, and Heupel? Well, I mean, I guess it just depends on what you're really – saying because if, if Tennessee is going to be a threat to Georgia which I still think they could be because I don't think Georgia has looked fantastic they still look like the best in the SEC not including Texas of course but they still look like the team to beat but if Tennessee is going to have any chance of, of being that number two threat yeah they have to win this but beyond that no I think it, all the pressure's on Florida because I think if Billy Napier loses this game I think he's going to be fired by the end of the year because if he can't really? beat Tennessee, he's probably going to lose at Kentucky. LSU is going to whoop his ass. Georgia, 
Florida State. I mean, he's got to win one of these games. And Tennessee certainly seems like the most likely, considering they've not gotten that offense going. I'm, I never have been a, a huge believer in Joe Milton. I'm significantly more confident in Josh Heupel than I am yeah. Joe, Joe Milton to be elite. So if they can't beat this team, you know, let's put it in the top five of their rivals. I, I don't think they're going to beat any of them this year. I I am so tired about of talking about Joe Milton and but I will say this and we'll and we'll of course let's talk about him let's talk about him um no because it's like all off season and I think it's all for the wrong reasons like it's all it's all stuff like did you see how far he could throw that book uh, football like the first question I asked on game day week one mm-hmm. how far he could throw about 90 yards like I, we all get it we all fucking get it Uncle Rico we totally get it I, I will say I've been impressed with his start to the season, even though it's been a little bit erratic at times and some been inconsistent with throws. But the point that I think I, we made all offseason was what you want to do in that offense is not turn the ball over and be a, as efficient as possible. And him going seven total touchdowns with zero interceptions for the first two weeks is, I think, a really good sign. Now, not talking about Milton, even though we just did, um, what do you think is like the key from a like a like a position unit or like a player – outside of him to win there because one thing I think that we're not talking enough about with Tennessee is this this front seven and they have been hellacious the first two weeks of the year it's like 11 sacks in two games why are we not talking about that and, and is that probably one of the keys to, to winning it in Florida that is the key because if Florida can't run the ball they've got no shot to win this mm-hmm. game I don't, I don't care what Joe Milton does and you know in your little ramble there I think there was a question but what, what do they need to help they they need to run the ball and and not put the game on Joe Milton's shoulders. Yeah. I think I think that's critical, and to show off that big arm. I mean it's it's kind of ridiculous, but there's been so many drops. I feel like the Tennessee offense is just a, a little adjustment, a little miscue, a little penalty away from yeah. breaking pretty much open. So uh, hit those deep shots because Tennessee's got the best rushing offense so far in the SEC, number four in the country. Now, that's definitely skewed by who they've played. I, I don't know that they're going to finish that well, but they are really good at running the ball. That's going to be the strength of the offense all season long. Just don't you, – you just don't ask Joe Milton to beat a team like Florida on the road, particularly not this early in the season. Maybe right. down the line with the decaying dynasty, Alabama, a little bit different story, but not in this game. It, it just can't be on Joe Milton. And, and yeah, that's what we've been saying all – offseason about this Tennessee defense is going to be the best ever under Heupel. They're deeper, more talented, and some of these uh, four- and five-star defenders they got that, I don't know, people just don't pay attention, I guess, but some of those guys have started to to blossom, and they're only in their second year, but they're already showing signs that uh, Tennessee's pass rush, which they have more sacks than anybody in the SEC right now, they're, that, that it's been a big upgrade. Mike, real quick, just to, to tell you this, because you know I love stats, and then Tyler, I don't mean to interrupt, but how about the fact that not only do they have more sacks than everyone, they have more sacks than Alabama, South Carolina, Florida, Georgia, and LSU combined. Elite. What can I Elite. say? <laughs> love it. Um, for Florida defensively, they've been really good against the run this year, a little more weak in the past, but their D.C., Austin Armstrong, he loves to bring blitzes. Uh, corner blitzes, exotic looks. How has Milton, how's the offense been against blitzes? Because I would think in, against this offense, you wouldn't really want to get blitz heavy. Well, all they really do is throw this damn bubble screen. So that should work pretty well against blitzers. And the tempo obviously will help there as well. But yeah, I mean, Virginia and 
whoever the hell they Austin P. I, I Austin P. Did a they had a couple tackles for loss. They also gave up about three hundred yards rushing. So, uh, I mean it. Those were poor teams to kind of evaluate on that. This this is certainly going to be their biggest test when it comes to exotic looks and and new things. And you have to believe that Florida is going to again. I think they're going to be coming after Joe Milton, but he's such a big guy that I don't know. I I think he can kind of. It, it takes a lot to bring him down. I'll just put it that way. But again, he, he's been so inaccurate. I don't know that I'd bring a ton of pressure. Just force him to beat you uh, with mm -hmm. it, with accuracy, which he's not proven he can do so far this year. Mike, a little bit more big, big picture. We'll get you one, one more question a piece and get a prediction from you, but um, big picture wise. And, and I, we're not going to talk about Alabama because I don't want to hear your opinion on them ever. Uh, Cause I know it's only going to hurt my feelings, but um <laughs> Obviously, the name, SEC Mike. I know where your allegiances lie and all that kind of stuff, and, and we both worked for an SEC football site together. Uh, the SEC being down so far, I think it's a fair criticism. I do. I think that like it doesn't, doesn't take anything away from the resume they've built over the past 15, 20 years, but the SEC being down a little bit, do you think that's something that is going to continue throughout the year? I mean, when we end the season, the optics are still going to be that way, or how do you see this thing playing out? Do we care about the preseason or do we care about the regular season? There Come on, out. those were preseason junk games. So, no, I don't care about that. But, no, I I did a Saturday night live show. It was called The SEC Sucks because I, I think it may <laughs> right now. You know what I mean? Like, it's been awful. It's it's the worst start to a season I can recall for an entire league since, uh, I, I mean, since I can ever remember, not just yeah. recently. So, I don't know that it continues all season, but – I think it says something about the quarterback play, which yeah. I've been touting. I, I don't think it's as bad as people perceive, but maybe it is mm -hmm. uh, because there's not many elite quarterbacks right now. But again, I, I also think it's on a lot of these coaches to utilize their talent better, like a Jalen Milrow. <laughs> I mean, it's just been off. I don't know what the hell they're doing. I told you the, the minute they hired Tommy Reese, that's when I started the decaying dynasty. Mm -hmm. That was the yeah. end of it. He's he's no, gone. There's no reason that they should have. I mean, Texas is such a bad football team too, and being in the the top five now and not having any kind of offensive weapons or anything, it's it's an embarrassing. What's embarrassing that got team to do with to that team? Well, and not not using RPO and not utilizing the quarterback run game. Okay, what? well that that Let's is make a him fair Tom point, Brady. Dickhead. Let's make him Tom Brady. How about that? Yeah, yeah. What well, I don't I don't get that part. I don't get that part. <laughs> Gee, Tommy Reese, man, you got to sign him up to an extension or something, please, God. Chris, Chris actually said he's going to be the next head coach of Bama in the offseason. I, I hope so. I, I hope so. <laughs> All right. So it sounds like if you were Florida's D.C., you're going to make Joe Milton beat you. So let's get the prediction. Can Joe Milton go down night game in the swamp? Been 20 years since you've won there and, and you know, be the leader to, to take them to a victory? Just about everything I predicted has been wrong. So I don't Ooh. know what to say here, except for the decaying, like? decaying dynasty, of course. That, that was 100% on. But, uh -huh. uh, man, I, I'll say no on Joe Milton, but that doesn't mean Tennessee can't win this game. I, I think their running game is elite. And I mm -hmm. I don't care what Florida did against McNeese. I mean, there's a reason. I nuts. Yeah, exactly. I, I picked Florida sixth in the east. I, I think that's about where they are right now. Mm -hmm where Tennessee very well could be the second-best team in the entire conference, not just the East. I'm not ready to believe that they are right now, but 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a comfortable win for Tennessee. And feel free to clip this because Florida's probably going to win by four touchdowns now. So I wouldn't do that to you, Mike. I wouldn't do that to you. I'm not going to have some sort of very – Yeah, I know you would. I fucking I know, know you would. Uh, Florida State Twitter after the uh, LSU uh, oh, yeah. Florida State prediction. Thank you for all the extra views. I do appreciate it. <laughs> we love it. Mike, speaking of views, tell everyone where they can find you. You've been a tremendous uh, guest, and obviously you're doing a great job. Happy for you, buddy. So tell everyone where they can find your stuff, and we will talk to you again soon. Yeah, the podcast, that SEC podcast – Highest rated SEC show on Apple and Spotify. We got YouTube as well. And uh, just search SEC Mike and you can hear more terrible takes from yours truly. All right. Thanks, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Is that it? That's it. In and out, huh? Okay. We're still recording, so we got to go. Okay. (laughs) Bye bye. (laughs) All right. Um, All right. So so we've, like I said, we talked about this game before we brought Mike on. Let's sum it up now. Look, what do you what do you think? What's your prediction for this game? What are you taking from a bet standpoint? So I'm gonna it, current line six and a half. Yeah, I'm gonna take Florida. Um, not only the history behind this game, but I also just think you're going to get this week. Some of my picks uh, revolve around coaches that are desperate to get a, a home uh-huh. win against a rival. Um, that's uh, Napier has to win this game. And um, I just think they've been really good on defense against the run. I think they can neutralize that aspect of Tennessee's game. And I think they will try to make Joe Milton. And we just like, and look, he's a Tennessee guy. Mike is. And he's like, I don't know if I trust Milton. We've been on that train for the last two years. Um, Mm -hmm. I just don't think Milton can go in Tennessee's 99th in explosive pass plays this year, which is where Milton falls way short of Hendon Hooker. I think that's what you need in this game. And I think night game in the swamp, crowd, crowd's going to be liquored up, riled up, looking for a win. I got Florida outright 28-27 over Tennessee. Snatching victory. Florida outright. Yet again. Yep. I got Florida outright in this game. Tennessee needs to go down to the swamp, put an end to all the shit they've heard, because this is one, one, I think, rivalry and game they have been disrespected in. Um, and, and undeservingly so, because I think they are a better program than Florida right now by a lot. Um, and, and maybe Florida can dig back out of that hole they're in currently, whatever. Tennessee at six and a half, first half, the first half money line, lock of the week, lock of the week. Tennessee's awesome. The other lock of the week, they failed us against Virginia on all those. No, they didn't. They covered the spread. Yeah. Your pick, my picks worked. Oh, Okay. With Tennessee, I was three and you're one. Right, of you're right. You're right. I also went ten and two last week, so I'm feeling pretty confident yeah. in a lot of stuff right now. Everything, pretty much everything, but my body. So I will say this: Tennessee minus six and a half, lock of the week. Whoa. You find an alternate line where they win by ten. Take that shit too. Tennessee wins this game by twenty points in wow. Florida this week. Wow. Okay. Well. Yeah. I think based on this year's track record. Uh, Tennessee fans got to be feeling good because I've been wrong a lot and you've been right a lot. It's a shame that we've probably warded off all Tennessee fans from listening to the podcast because of my blistering negativity about them all the time. But anyway, let's get on to another, you know what? Let's get into the most negative fucking game of the week. Okay. This, this should just be the like refuse to have any sort of chill online, social media, mental health is a joke bowl. 
Georgia and South Carolina, two fan bases that couldn't be further apart from wins and dominant historically or being dominant historically, but for whatever reason, have the same amount of anger on social media, which I learned this past week when I rated South Carolina as the 13th ranked team in the SEC in my well, I mean, they beat Furman and they got embarrassed by North Carolina. I, I'll move them up to 11 so their fans shut up. But I mean, again, and we want to remind you that Chris Marler's takes are not the official takes of SDS. The, they are the unofficial takes of SDS. God forbid we have any kind of accuracy. Hey, hey, if you were track. thinking about it, like if you're a baseball fan, like mm-hmm. your take is like the AAA team. Yeah, yeah, I'm the Gwinnett Strikers. You feel good when they sure. win the championship, but it's like right. nobody really cares because it's unofficial, really. Yeah, but it'd be like if the Gwinnett Stripers had like all of the the big leaguers that should be on the team. Yeah, but like the 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 team at like in the like actual MLB is like tanking for the first round pick. You know what I mean? It's right. kind of like that because all I've done is win. Anyway, Georgia, South Carolina. I there's like one of the questions that I don't know, and I wish I knew more than anything in in the world is what Shane Beamer did to Kirby Smart. Yeah. Because he hates him. He hates him. I I mean, he hates him like Urban Meyer hates making good decisions and himself. Like, it is so bad. So he bad. Me. He hate me. They have won their last two games. So Kirby against Shane Beamer, they routed them last year in Columbia, 45 to 7. It was so bad at one point that there was like, a gaggle of like a hundred sorority girls just waltzing through the end zone. That's how little the game mattered for some reason. They lost 45, seven. Then they've lost two games under the under Shane Beamer to Georgia by a combined 68 points, which is tough to do. Okay. Um, they go to Athens, Georgia, just desperately seeking any level of disrespect for one, but also looking for a wake up call to this team that has struggled a little bit early in games, not to where it's matter. They've outscored their opponents 93 to 10 in, in two games so far against inferior competition, but still um, 93 to 10 so far against those, their first two games. What are your thoughts on this game? And give me a pick. Um, this game, obviously it's a four touchdown spread. So I don't think that the outcome is in question to me. It's more so it, what is Georgia really going to look like against a team that has a pulse? Um, and, to no fault of their own, they've played two patsies so far, and and honestly, have been a little bit disappointing. If right. that, I mean, I'm sure they're keeping things very vanilla against Ball State and what was it, UT Martin. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to see Georgia come out and dominate. Uh, before I'm a full believer in them right now, because I just there's so many moving parts of new, in really important spots like quarterback and OC. Um, this D line should eat against that South Carolina O line. Um, South Carolina is going to have to hit explosive plays with Spencer Rattler, who's had a good start to the year. Um, I just don't think you're going to see a lot of down-to-down success for South Carolina in this game. Um, and South Carolina can't run the ball this year, so I just I think it's going to be tough. Um, Georgia should be able to run the ball in South Carolina. Cal- uh, Carolina is 76th in the country in defensive sex six ooh, sex rate, <laughs> <laughs> defensive success rate against the run. Um, I'm going to take Georgia to, so the line's 27 and a half. I'll go just over that. Georgia wins 38 to 10. I think they make a statement yeah. on defense. That's a, I, I think that would be, that, that obviously takes the total under, 
I'd be a little bit of a surprise because, I mean, Rattler has been good. But if I don't think if you can't run against Georgia, it's going to be very tough to find success on offense. Yeah, so in Rattler, just very, very, very much under the radar, has had one of the better seasons of any – probably maybe the best season of any quarterback in the SEC. It just doesn't have anything to show for it because he only has three touchdowns to no interceptions. But he's been 83% in his completion percentage. Xavier Leggett leads uh, the SEC in receiving yards as well. Um, Rattler's been really good to start the season. And, and I think the, the completion percentage thing and the, like the, his QB rating or passer rating is what I'm most impressed with because he's not getting any help for his offensive line. I said this in another podcast today on the Spurs Up show that I think this is a really good opportunity for him for his draft stock because I know that might sound crazy, but when they turn on the tape, it, it, like the, before the draft, the first thing they're going to do is turn on the Georgia State because it's as close to an NFL defense as you're going to have faced. Now, like I think that draft tape for against Georgia went a very long way with Will Levis and what he was able to do two years ago against that defense, which was basically just manage the game elitely, like like two touchdowns, zero turnovers. We've talked about it in the past in the regular season games against Power Five opponents or against FBS opponents. Spencer Rattler only has three of his 19 starts where he's had um, more touchdowns and interceptions at the end of the game, Ooh. which is tough to do. Nice um, thank you. I found that on my own. Um, but I think he's been really, really good. official quarterback rankings. I put him at four this week. So people would leave me alone about it. <laughs> but, um, but I also think that the Georgia stuff, like going in the same, I, I think that this, all the stuff surrounding it, it just has a recipe to disaster for me for South Carolina. And I, 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 I looked, the first thing I looked up was like, all right, you gave up nine sacks to, to North Carolina. What does it look like against Georgia team? That is, I would assume just getting after the quarterback nonstop with all those guys. They are rotating players so much. I talked about one of our listeners the other day. Um, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say his name, so I don't want to out him. But we had this conversation, I think, actually this morning or yesterday about how much rotation that Kirby's actually started to already put onto that defense, getting second and third team reps and rotating guys in and out. George only has one sack on the season, which is kind of surprising. But I think this is what he does, where it's like you talk about I, the the stat I gave you last week on offense, 12 different receivers with at least one catch. Now you're talking about all these guys getting 30-plus snaps already in the season. He's developing depth better than anyone else in the SEC, better than anyone else probably in the country. And I think that when they get to this game, the recipe, recipe for disaster is now Kirby's got somehow got some fucking bulletin board material and something taken out of context with Tonka Hemingway when he was asked at media days what the toughest places to play were, and he – didn't say Georgia. And so now Kirby has said in his post-game presser, it was kind of positioned poorly by, by the reporter, but like basically saying like, it sounds like Tonka's calling out our, our, our fans. They need to show up and be loud, which you saw how that happened for Arkansas in 2021. You saw how it worked out for Tennessee last year. I think it's going to be a crazy environment. I think Georgia, I wouldn't take the first half at all with them because they've struggled so much, but Georgia's going to cover the spread. Didn't Tate Ratledge, Georgia's own player, say that Georgia's like there were other better stadiums? That was also somewhat taken out of context, but yes. Okay. Um, all right. Here's one that confuses me. And I know okay. this line you absolutely hate. No oh good. Is it five and a half? It's close. Uh okay. 12 p.m. on the SEC network, number 18, Kansas State at Missouri. Missouri plus five. Over under 48. Um Least favorite this, number. I, to me, I don't I don't get this. Like I think Kansas State is a much better program right now than Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um K-State's two and zero against the spread this year. Missouri 0 and 2. Um Kansas State has looked good. My Missouri struggled last week against Middle Tennessee State. I don't love Brady Cook. 
Um, Kansas State's defensive front seven is really good. The strength of their team is their O-line, so you love yeah. that. I love their head coach, Chris Kleiman. In those last 67 games, going back to when he was the North Dakota State, 46 and 21 against the spread, 29 and 9 as a favorite. Oh. Um, so I'm leading Kansas State here big. I mean, by 10 plus. Um, I don't know. Do you do you see this game differently? I just I, the number scares me because it's that five. I I would think they'd be a. Um, is it because it's an SEC game on the road? Like, I, what are you seeing here? So I'm trying to find. It's a noon game, right? So it's yeah. it's down to four yeah, and a half at DraftKings. The over under at 48 is kind of surprising too. I, yeah. I my this is one of my favorite matchups of the week is the Kansas State offensive line versus the Missouri front seven and specifically their defensive line. I think that's going to be a really good matchup. Um, I love that stat. What you just said, Kansas State. I think Kansas State is a is a program that is better than people are giving them credit for. And I know that like they it's it's different year over year and all that kind of stuff. They lost like one of the best players they've had in program history with Deuce Vaughn. I think they win the game. But also, I, listen, I wouldn't be surprised. Brady Cook, by the way, the quarterback from Mizzou, having a hell of a year so far. Like, not yeah. a ton of pass attempts. You have a, a close game for whatever reason against MTSU a week ago. But the kid has been really, really good so far in that offense. Um, I think he's, it would it's going to take a huge week out of him. Um, Kansas State, team that's kind of built more like a SEC team because they're physical up front. I wonder what that looks like for 60 full minutes. And and here's the thing too, is I wish this was a night game in Como because I think that, that it's, it's a sellout. It's one of the first sellouts I've had in quite some time. It's going to be a fun environment. I think it's gonna be a really fun environment. I'm going to just, I'm going to be a homer and pick Mizzou to win outright. Nice. Um, and I wouldn't touch this game from a betting standpoint, besides maybe the under, maybe the under for me, but that's it. All right, let's go to the backyard brawl 7:30 on abc pit at west virginia um this is just a great game every year yeah. it seems like uh pit looked awful last week they lost to cincinnati um their quarterback bc transfer phil Dracovic, who was supposed to be like a pretty good nfl prospect has been pressured on 45 percent of his dropbacks that is that's so bad. bad this is gonna be an ugly game i think it's gonna be a defensive game i mentioned earlier I'm on coaches who are in a desperate situation to win a game. I think Neil Brown, head coach of West Virginia, home game spreads only one. They're one point underdog. Um, I think you're, I'm going to take the desperate head coach here, underdog at home. I think Pitt might be a lot worse than I thought they would be this year. Um, so I think that West Virginia gets the upset at home. Yeah. Again, not a game I'm going to bet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, um, that is an incredible stat though on the dropbacks. Like that, that is that is not good. That is not good at all. Um, like I said, I wouldn't touch this game. I'll just move it along, honestly, to another game. Here's an interesting one that uh coming out of the 12 o'clock slate, um, like moving out of the 12 o'clock slate. We're like there is one more 12 o'clock slate we want to talk about. You want to talk about LSU Mississippi State? Oh shit, I thought you were gonna say Florida State. <laughs> no. Let's, let's let's talk about LSU Mississippi State because I, I have this yeah. down. We said it earlier, like LSU. Minus nine. That's. I'll let you cover the game. I, I'm taking LSU minus nine. I think it's one of the better bets of the week. Yeah, I I, I went back and I was kind of looking at some games that I missed last week. Um, and we mentioned on the recap pod like a nice win for Mississippi State against Arizona last week. I actually think they were pretty fortunate to win that game. Uh, yeah. 
They were plus four in turnover margin, which we know you can't rely on week to week. They were actually outgained despite that turnover margin by over 120 yards by Arizona. Um, Arizona had a lot of chances to win that game and just kind of got unlucky. I think LSU is probably a little undervalued for week one, just getting stomped and basically everyone wrote them off. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've been on record that I think Florida state when they're operating at peak efficiency uh, is the best team in the country this year. I don't think LSU is a bad football team at all. Um, interesting change up for Mississippi state this year, obviously um, after Leach passed away, different offense, Mississippi state, 63% of their plays have been rushing plays through the first two games. Yeah. Um, LSU is a really a good very player. big number. Yeah. That's a very big number, like yeah. especially in today's game. Right. Um, LSU is a, is a good run defense. That's where that's not where you're going to want to hurt, try to right. hurt LSU. Their secondary is, is where they're having issues. They have Mason Smith back now, which should only help the D line. Um, I probably wouldn't bet this game with real money because I feel like every time LSU goes to Mississippi State, something weird happens. Maybe that's just recency bias. Um, but I'll take LSU to win the game. Um, maybe the bet I would take is LSU first half. Yeah, minus five and a half. Yeah. Oh, Oof. exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take LSU 35, Mississippi State 24. So I have them covering in this game. Yeah, I, I think I do too. I do want to say one thing about Mississippi State because I think it's a program that's not getting as much attention maybe as they should. Um, great win last week. Like, I don't think Arizona is a powerhouse or a great football team by any means, but it's a great victory. And the most impressive part of that game, okay, most impressive part of the game is the fact that Zach Arnett, a first-year coach, when you're, you're playing a team that you're a nine-point favorite against at home, right? Like probably a little bit too much. Um, you're playing them at home. You have a four-year starter at quarterback in your back pocket. You limit him to only 17, 17 throws. Now, I'll tell you right now, if they lose this game, I'm probably crucifying Zach Arnett for not throwing the football more with Will Rogers. But the fact that he stuck to his guns, st- stuck to whatever offensive identity they want to have as a program and and keep that in play, I was very impressed with as a, a first-year coach in his second or third, if you count the bowl game, um game as a head coach i thought that was really impressive all right 330 330 um scrolling through here interesting one here actually at noon to wisconsin georgia southern uh kind of keeping with that theme um at 330 we don't need to talk about this game but i have bama covering 31 against south florida yeah, i think they go out there a lot, be lot of frustration out there a lot of frustration is gonna be out there. and it'll be 90 um, percent bama fans there yeah for sure uh if they show up they didn't show up at home. Like they didn't stop the stadium last week That's at true. home against Texas. So let's see how they're that goes. They're apathetic right now. They're at the what? They're at, they're they're getting to the apathetic stage. It's eh, whatever. So obnoxious. Um, Minnesota at uh, at North Carolina is an interesting one. Um, yeah. North Carolina is a near touchdown favorite, which I think is a little bit too much. I wouldn't bet the game, but I probably have them plus seven and a half. So the one I want to talk about though, uh, which of course now I have somehow fucking lost um, track Duke of Northwestern, right? Is Duke Northwestern? Um, where the hell did it go? Maybe. Oh, we already talked about Georgia. Maybe it was the the Minnesota North Carolina game. I don't. This is not a game I would bet, but I do think that Minnesota plus seven and a half is a good play there. Um, I see it I, at eight now too. See it at eight. Yep. I mean, like Minnesota is a pretty is a pretty well coached team, and and North Carolina struggled last week um, against App State. So I wonder what that looks like. Uh, let's see here. Scrolling down, here's another one. This is very interesting. Washington at Michigan State. Well, what kind of what kind of status is Michigan State in right now? 
as a program. Very good question. Like that could be an absolute blowout. It's only a 16 point line. I wonder how much it's moved since the Mel Tucker news came out. I don't know, but that's surprising to me. I would still probably take it to be honest. I, 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 like the over, it's, so it's it's Washington's a sixteen point favorite on the road against a Power Five team. The over under is fifty eight. The first half over is nine and a half. I I mean you you've been big on Washington so far. They've been really yeah. good. What do you think about that? I I think I like that bet a lot. I think the you could try to play the angle that like the players will rally. Yeah. I think that's obviously devastating news for those players that essentially the guy that recruited them there is probably not going to be their head coach anymore. Right. Um, Harlan Barnett. He's a Michigan state legend. I actually know a little bit about him because he was Willie Taggart's defensive coordinator. Oh God. Yeah. (laughs) Um, He's taking over as interim coach. Maybe they rally around him. You know, he's a program guy like, well, I guess not because he left there for Florida state, but um you know, like Odell Hagens, every time we've on floor states, he's like the D tackle coach. But every time we fired a coach, he steps in his interim and they like the players yeah. rally around him. Maybe you get that out of Michigan State. But dude, I think Washington's way too strong of a program. I don't think Michigan State's that good. And I think they're probably in a little bit of a disarray. So I'll take Washington. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I might take them minus nine and a half in the first half more than anything. Uh, but I like the I like the 16 as well. Um Another game in the SEC is kind of interesting. We already talked about, obviously about the um, Tennessee-Florida game. But another one's kind of interesting. We didn't spend that much time on it, but still. Uh, Ole Miss-Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech traveling to Oxford. Ole Miss has Bama next week. Um, a game I think they're probably, you know, chomping at the bit to get to a little bit, especially after watching Bama struggle against a similar type of play caller. Uh, Ole Miss is a 18.5-point favorite and a 10.5-point first-half favorite against Georgia Tech. What are your thoughts on that? Mm, I cut, I'm interested because I, Georgia Tech looked a lot better in week one than I thought they would. Right. Um, maybe they found something with Haynes King there, but um, the 18's kind of tough because you could see you could see a 17-point win. Yeah. You're really good. Um, I don't think that they're going to – if they get up big, I think they could get conservative wanting to rest their players for the Bama game. Um, so I'll take Georgia Tech backdoor cover there. Okay. Um, probably I would want to see the team totals are, but I would touch. I, I think this is a game like we we've seen in the past where it's going one or two ways with, with Kiffin where it's like, he wants them firing on all cylinders. And I've seen him put up like, I think 39 or something like that. It gets two lane a couple of years ago before the Bama game. And then we've seen him at other times where he's kind of pulled his foot off the gas. This game last year, I think was 42, nothing. And it was about 21 or 28, nothing at the half. Um, they, they dominated in Atlanta. I do think that this Georgia Tech team is a little bit better. I would I would lean towards possibly um, – I mean, I, I like the 18 and a half because I think they're able to pull away from them um, late. Another one that's a little bit interesting, how about this? BYU and Arkansas. Yeah, BYU – yeah, like, like on the road. Arkansas is going to be playing without Rocket Sanders, um, which is obviously not ideal. I said this the other day too, though. I think that like it kind of here's, – here's an interesting stat line, okay? Arkansas is a six and a half point first half favorite. They're only an eight and a half point favorite for the full game. Hmm. That's very, very different and very low. You don't see that a lot. Um, you know, KJ Jefferson hasn't had a, he's averaging right around, I think like under 200 yards passing per game. 
He hasn't had like a moment yet where he's just had to take over. I think that happens in this game. Um, I don't know if I would touch the 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 line necessarily, but I think from a game standpoint, really important game for Arkansas to keep momentum going into that that showdown next week in in Dallas with uh, with Texas A&M. And KJ Jefferson, like, I, listen, he's Superman, and I I think that like he is the the heart and soul of that team. If it gets close, I, I'm taking I'm taking Arkansas and KJ Jefferson every single time. I don't think it's going to necessarily be that close. Well, dude, this game was 52 to 35 last year, and KJ mm-hmm. Jefferson went off on them in Provo, I believe, right? Yeah. So, home game, um, BYU, I think. I mean, the Puka Nakua kid, their wide receiver yeah, last yeah. year, dude, he had 11 or 10 or 11 receptions in his first NFL game this past weekend for the That's Rams. Crazy. Um, so, uh, Keaton Slovis, the transfer from USC, then to Pitt, to, then to here, and still somehow I think he's eligible to play, maybe because he's a grad, um, has thrown for 500 yards this year, four touchdowns. So uh, I like Arkansas at home, though. I think I think uh, BYU coming into the South, deal with that humidity. <laughs> um, yeah, I like that. Uh, anything else on the board? There's a couple games. I feel like game day you said is going to going to Colorado for Colorado, um, Colorado State. That's kind of interesting. Uh, here's one that's like I will tell you from a betting standpoint: Clemson minus thirteen and a half in the first half. I'm, I'm going to take it and regret it um, against FAU and Tom Herman. Um, TCU at Houston. TCU is a seven and a half point favorite. Yes, I do see I, that. I just think that's an interesting, <laughs> that's an interesting thing. Um, uh, what do you have access to the Texas first half spread? Seventeen and a half. I might like Wyoming there. I do. I do too. <laughs> yeah. Now there is a night game. There is a night game in Austin. You know, if if that was a noon game, I'd be all over Wyoming. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This is it's good, man. I mean, the slate, the slate's not great, but it's mm-hmm. it's you could, there's when you. When there's gambling involved, it's always great. It's always great. Always great. Yeah. All right. Um, so I guess that wraps up for this week. Is there anything in particular you're looking forward to from this weekend? Um, a player or anything like that? And, and takeaways you want to see from anyone around the country? Uh, definitely interested in watching Georgia against South Carolina just to mm-hmm. see. I, I just don't feel like I have a true grasp on what they're going to be this year. Right. Um, you know, and if they come out and dominate, I'll feel a little bit better. Um I'm interested in obviously the Florida Tennessee game is the one I'm watching the most because I think to your point, I think it's a good point that it is a really big game for Tennessee too. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to overcome here with, you know, the history and everything like that. So those are probably the two games that I'm looking forward to the most. What about you? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, LSU Mississippi state will be fun. I want to, I think this could be a statement game for them. And then, like I, said, I think there's, I think the main four, there's four games in the SEC with, or with SEC teams that I, 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 I think should be statement games, and I wonder what that looks like. And I'm trying, and, and three of the four involve a road team, and I want to see if LSU goes out there and proves a point against a Mississippi State team that I do think is inferior, and especially coming off a gutsy win a week ago, like you have an opportunity to get get the everything back on track to and and, and get further away from that all the narratives that happened at the FSU game, Bama on the road you need to get up and get up early. And I, I want to see if, if Jalen Milrose feet are more involved and I want to see if Tyler Buckner comes in at all and creates any kind of quarterback controversy. You hope he doesn't. 
going into next week against Ole Miss because that could be a recipe for disaster. But I would love to see Jalen Milrow having more design runs. Georgia, like you said, I, I just have this feeling that Georgia dominates this game from start to finish. Um, and, and it really looks like – because here's the thing. They only have to do this a couple times a year, man. They only have to do it a couple times a year. And I think this is an opportunity where they, they get to really flex their muscle on an inferior opponent um, like South Carolina. And then last but not least, man, like we talked about for the majority of the show, Tennessee, I, I just have a feeling that Joe Milton, this is like a coming out party for him, and, and they have a really good game down there in, in Florida. I I think it's a game where, where Tennessee, proves, they prove a point. I just I think they prove a point down there in Gainesville. So, but we will see. Tell everyone where they all the stuff they need to know in the outro, and I'm going to go eat some food. Yep. As always, we appreciate you all listening to the show. Uh, it would really help us and the growth of the show if you would rate us five stars on Apple and Spotify. Leave us a review. We'll read the best ones on air. Uh, like and subscribe to the YouTube page as well. Leave us a message this weekend. 770-674-8233. That's the game day hotline. Whether you're pissed off, having a having a cocktail, you want to give us some uh, breakdowns of the game, let us know. Again, that number is 770-674-8233. Don't forget to check out the SDS podcast weekly with Connor O'Gara. For Chris, I'm Tyler. We have one review, kind of. Okay. It comes from Richter Scale uh, on Twitter. He said, for the last year, I've been listening to Burn Funquist on Michael Bratton and Locked on SEC, my first daily listen of the day. Never checked his actual show out with Tyler until today. It's fucking great. What was I thinking? So, glad to have you along for the ride, Richter Scale. Thanks, Richter Scale. Yeah. All right. For Chris, I'm Tyler. You guys have a great weekend. Best of luck to your teams. (laughs) 